What's up, folks? This is Tony Bray and Aaron Dotson with special guest Todd Clippard. This week, we're going to be studying about the misconceptions around the qualifications of elders. I want everybody to understand at the beginning of this that we understand this is a very hot-button topic. And I put my tongue in my cheek as I talk about this episode, and I've talked to some of my contemporaries about this episode and say, yeah, we'll probably have people withdraw fellowship from us over this. All jokes aside, you are not allowed to draw fellowship over us for this because none of us are actively practicing. And it's also not sin that we're going to be talking about. But even if it were sinful, even if we are dead wrong, being wrong doesn't mean we're out of fellowship with God. Practicing wrong means you're out of fellowship with God. It is true. You're not allowed to withdraw fellowship from us unless we practice this. And I say you're not allowed to withdraw fellowship from us because what we are going to be speaking about is a matter of academic pursuit. And we are talking about some issues where there's some gray areas. There's matters of judgment. And we're going to be talking about how the text can be applied versus what the text demands. I think what I've seen over the last decade or so that I've been a vocational preacher is that so many brethren argue and squabble and fuss and fight and draw lines of fellowship in the sand over how a text can be interpreted and applied versus what a text demands. We are interested in what a text demands. So we're going to talk about the qualifications for elders, specifically some misconceptions around an elder's children whether or not elders' children need to be baptized into Christ, the age of an elder, such like. So um, that's about all I've got to say. Uh, we, we understand this is a hot-bucking topic. We're going, to be, we're going to try our best to be very respectful and handle this with, for lack of a better term, kid gloves. So that's it. Uh, Aaron, you got, a, you got anything you want to yeah, like add you to just, that? Like you just said, I mean, it's... If they're some of the greatest minds in the brotherhood have had various explanations of a few of these, some of them I think de definitely wrong, but then a few of them I think, you know, there's something to the there's something to what the spirit put in the text, the Holy Spirit, I mean, what he put there. We're like you said, we're concerned with what does God require. And could it, and I'll just ask the question at the beginning, or I'll, I'll make a statement, ask a question. My statement is, I, because of my past experiences and what I've always heard, have struggled with this subject, especially regarding elders' children. I've heard so many, I feel like I felt, I've heard a hundred theories. I don't, couldn't be a hundred, but I feel like I've, I've heard so many theories about it to like growing up, I was very confused about it. And I think there are still good people that, they don't know for sure, and perhaps they're going too far. My question I want to ask before we really get into it is, is it possible that the Holy Spirit used language that is ambiguous enough that godly people who abide by the authority of Christ in the Word can understand it just a shade different from the other brother? <laughs> you know, can, can they understand it just a shade different and not be a heretic? They're, they're not a false teacher. They're not, you know, they're truly trying to 
only require what God requires of elders, nothing more, nothing less. I think so because some of the greatest minds have had at least a couple different explanations about some of these qualifications, at least one or two of them. And uh, we just, uh, I just, my, my suggestion is that we just, we listen through this whole podcast. If you're watching at some point, if you, you know, just, if you have to dip out, you know, come back and listen to the whole thing. Cause I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. And I know Todd's our guest and I know we're going to give him some time to, to talk. Cause I want to, you know, I'm, I'm always willing to learn and make sure what I'm thinking and where I'm at is right. You know, so I, that's how I'm approaching this myself. Yeah. And, and like I said, before we, we're, we're, I'm, I'm basically just in a moment, just going to turn this flat over to Todd. But before we do that, I, I remember the first time I heard, well, the first prerequisite to being an elder is not a desire to be an elder. And I remember the first time I heard that, well, that's just dead wrong because it says right there in the first line, if a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work, meaning unless he desires it, he, he, he's not qualified. He, he got a, he got a desire or you can't use him. That's not true in the way we use the English word desire. And so we talked about that last week. And, and so if I, I, I remember, and, and I was just, when the first time I heard it, I was like, well, that's just wrong. And then you dig a little bit. And so I've developed some uh, thoughts and stuff about the eldership uh, as I've studied and as I've poked and prodded at this, that if you have never thought about this, if you've never had an occasion to think about this, you're, it's, it's going to sound odd to you and your initial reaction might be, well, that's just wrong. Chew on this and live with it for at least a small fraction of the amount of time that we have and yeah. know that we didn't just conspire last week to turn everybody on their ear with these new revelations. They're not new revelations. We're just, we're looking at this thing. We're scrutinizing it. Now, Todd Clippert is an elder and he's a gospel preacher. He's been preaching for the Burleson church of Christ for a decade and a half, maybe a little bit more by now. And I don't know how long, years. how many, 28, 28 years, Nearly almost three, three decades. decades. Whenever I first started hanging out with you, it was, it was 25 years. And, um, I don't know how long he's been an elder for that time, but we're going to, we're, we're going to hear from that. I'd like to know, Todd, uh, you started with Burleson. You didn't have eldership. What prompted you to get an eldership? And then I want you to share with us some of the, some of the, the conclusions you've drawn over the years in really studying this. And remember folks, follow us on Twitter or X also known as Twitter Christianity. Now at one Chronicles one, two, three, two, that's first Chronicles 1232. And uh, we're streaming on there, and we, we're actually creeping up just a little bit. We're getting a following on Twitter, lo and behold. It's crazy. Anyway, Todd, take it away, brother. Uh, all right. First, uh, I need to make a correction. The, the church at Burleson had elders when I came in, in 96. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we lost our eldership in 2021. We were down to, uh, we were down to two men. Um, at that time had been down to two men for about 12 or 14 years. Um, one of those men uh, suffered a heart attack and eventually, and eventually he, he passed away. Um, but uh, one of the first things that he did when he became conscious in the hospital was said, I get, basically said, I got to get out of the eldership. Uh, you know, he, he just he just knew he couldn't he couldn't keep serving 
even if he lived, he knew he wasn't going to be able to keep serve. And so, and so he, he stepped down, he stepped down from the eldership, uh, which left us with, um, without. And so, uh, that was in, uh, that was in about April of 20, about April, March, April, 2021. Um, so then I began to teach even more on the matter. We, we talked about what we would do in the interim. Um, I argued strongly against men's meetings uh, because it just, and just, just kind of set the stage at Burleson, um, you know, for years and years, we never had elders meetings. If there was ever a meeting, it was always the elders and the deacons and me. Now, if it was a matter that was a sensitive subject, then the elders would meet separate from the deacons, and and and, I, and usually I would be in those meetings as well. And so, with uh, with that in mind, um, we had one man that had been serving as an elder. Then there was me. I'd been there twenty five years, and we had four men that had served as deacons. And I proposed that uh, we would just continue to to meet as we had always met those men would still be deacons and Lynn would still Lynn the, the, the remaining elder would still meet with us and I would still meet. And we just continued to, we just continue the work that we were doing uh, in the same fashion, simply minus an eldership. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I said, there's, I said, there's, there's a whole, there's a whole lot more, there's a whole lot more authority for that than there is a men's business meeting. And uh, I said, men's business meetings, a disaster. And I, I and I, for some reason, I have no idea why our brethren have defaulted to the men's business meeting. Um, Amen. And, and I argued strongly against it. I said, I said, you're going to give a 20 year old, you're going to give a 20 year old kid the same vote as a man that's been serving as an elder for 20 years. I said, where is the sense in that? Or a, and, a man who's, who's or a, a man Christian, that's a new but, Christian. And, or and a he, man that's barely faithful. He, that's it. And when I say barely faithful, I'm using accommodative language. You know what I mean by that. Yeah. But you, know, you have a men's business meeting. Every man, you know, every man can show up. Doesn't matter if you hadn't been there in six weeks, you know, and and he gets a vote. He gets the same vote as the guy that's been an owner for 20 years. You get them guys that are in there. They only come on Sunday morning and they're yeah, not the living, living right. Yeah. Yeah. You got the smoles coming in and smoles. And, uh, yeah. Sunday morning only. Sunday morning only. And, well, I, let me just give you a quick example. I saw, I saw, I have a copy of a letter that was written uh, by the men of a congregation uh, with regard to uh, a, a, a matter pertaining to the preacher. And uh, that thing was signed by the men of the congregation. And one of those men was a baptized nine-year-old boy. Oh, yeah. I have that letter. All right. I have that letter. And, and so, and so, Everybody agreed we'd just keep rocking along the way we've been doing until we can get an eldership in place. And in about six or eight weeks, we had an eldership in place, and I was appointed, and two of the deacons were appointed, and the man that had been serving uh, was appointed. And then we appointed two more men as, as deacons. So we've got four elders, four deacons, a congregation about, you know, our con- our, 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 our congregation probably numbers, if you took the entire role, about 90 people, 95. So uh, four elders, four deacons, and we're, we're, no, I'm sorry, four elders, five deacons. We just added another deacon a month ago, um, and we've got some guys that are going to serve. But in any event, um, we we get, and I know we're going to get into all this, um, but uh, number one, we appointed a man as an elder who only had one kid. 
Heresy. All right. And and we appointed a man as an elder whose who's, who's, uh, kids were not baptized. Well, Todd, you, and you totally— And we appointed the preacher as an elder. So we struck well, out. Strike one, strike yeah. two, strike three. Well, I, I fully believe that, that a gospel preacher who meets the qualifications needs to be an elder. I'm, I'm, I've, I've, the, the older I get, and the longer I do this with the way the congregation uses the gospel preacher, the gospel preacher needs to be an elder yep. because you depend on him too much to do elder stuff mm-hmm. yep. without giving him the title and the authority that goes along with it. You're hamstringing him. I mean, if, 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 if you're going to treat him like an elder and you're not going to give him and you're not going to put him up in the eldership, at least, at least segregate him, give him the title of pastor. And let's just <laughs> lean into the program. Yeah. And because yeah. let me tell you something, I think a lot of these schools of preaching, they're not schools of preaching, they're schools of pastors and they're turning out pastors They're, And it's not their fault because the churches are saying, here's the product we want. And it's, it's, it's a pastor in everything but name. Oh yeah. The, 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 the churches of Christ will, will, uh, scream loudly against the denominational pastor system while they themselves practice it as a matter of, as a matter of reality. Yes. Uh, you know, you might have elders and, and the preacher may not be, may not be an elder. And, and that church is still practicing the pastor system. Uh, you know, look, I know those guys can still fire the preacher. I know mean, they still have the authority to, you know, to do some things, but so far as the work is concerned, it's a pastor system. Yes. No, I'm yeah. with you. Yeah, I, I thought about if if somebody, if it, it happens like every once in a while because I'm on Facebook and stuff like that, and people see me, and I'll, I'll get a I'll get a message about you know, hey, have you ever thought about coming to preach here or something like that? I, I've told people before, like you don't want me, and I said the only way that I would, and I'm not going to leave where I am, but let's say that 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 I were looking, or let's say that Canada said Tony can't stay in Canada anymore; he's got to go back to the states. Probably the only way that I would ever take another quote unquote preaching job is if I, I had a I had some kind of notarized contract that says if you fire me for any reason, you're gonna have to pay me one year's salary. So I'm not going to go back under that stupid pastoral system that that we have created in the Church of Christ. Yeah. It just, it bothers me. It, yeah. It's a dog and pony show. It's not the way it's done in the first century. And, uh, you, you really, you really harm a man. And, and there's a lot of good folks out there has been harmed. But so, anyway, if a man's, so if a man's qualified to serve as an elder, you know what you're saying? And I agree wholeheartedly. I think the guy needs to step up. I think the other elders need to embrace him and they need mm-hmm. to work together. And yeah. somebody says, well, that's giving a preacher too much power. Well, then you misunderstand the work of an eldership. <laughs> that's exactly right. Because, yeah. because one, one preacher, uh, who's sound in the faith cannot dominate two, three, four, five, whatever other elders who are sound in the faith. Mm-hmm. And they know the role of the eldership. Yeah. They, if they have to put him in his place, they can, they can say, Hey brother, you know, this is an eldership. It's not a preachership where the preacher yeah. rules. But again, a good, sound, godly man wouldn't do that anyway. Yeah. So, but no. that that also keeps good men from serving because they think 
they think that if they serve as an elder, it all falls on them as an individual. Yes. And you have to, and you have to explain to them that no, you know, yeah. when, de- when decisions are made, they're not made by you or by me or by, and, and, and you know, one of, one of our current elders, that was the big thing. That was the big hang up for him. Yeah. And I just, I just told him, he was one of the best friends I got on this earth. And yeah. I said, look, man, this is, this is a group, you know, what we do, we do as a group. You know, we, yeah. we meet, we pray, we deliberate, we decide. And, and, and so we're not going, you know, we're not going to put, nobody's, nobody's going to, nobody's going to look at you as an individual and say, you did this. And I think it was helpful to him um, to, to understand that, that, that there's no, there is no inherent authority in being an elder. None. It, no. Yeah. There's, the, no the, there's no inherent authority in being an no. elder. There is inherent authority in the eldership. Yes. But there is no authority in being an elder. Yeah. Yes. You know, I can't um, give myself a raise. You know, and that's the big thing. People, oh, make the preacher an elder. He'll just, he'll, he'll just go down to the bank and start, start writing checks. That uh, lets you know that, that lets you know that they're, they're understanding the system to be a pastoral system. Yeah. By the way, I made it. I made it a policy a long time ago that I I would never have my name on any of the church accounts. Yeah, that's just, not a bad just thing. as just as a safeguard against you know people thinking crazy yeah. things. You know, the only way yeah. I would be on the bank account would be if I was an elder and I wasn't serving as as the evangelist. That's for my conscience. Right. That's what I'd do. Yeah. I just. You know, if I was an elder only and wasn't on the salary, okay, I'd be on the bank account. But right. well, otherwise, I'm, just leave me off. Yeah, I, I'd have it set up like that because as a, a as an elder as part of an eldership, my default is always going to be spend all the money. Yeah. So they don't need me. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the, I know where my strengths and weaknesses are, and my towering strength is, hey, I'm going to spend all the money, and my greatest weakness is, hey, let's spend all the money. <laughs> Like it's, well, Hey, it's July and it's hot. I know, but we spent all the money. I mean, we did all this evangelism. Isn't it good? Yeah. You know, we, we got 102 people in a building that can only support, you know, 82. So what do we do? Well, you you spent all the money. Yeah. You you can see that authority that God delegates to the eldership, you know, that we're talking about in first Timothy four fourteen. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, Timothy, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership in the New King James Presbytery, I think, in the King James. Yeah. That group of people, they function together I, as a group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I think the New King James got it wrong there. I think the presbytery is talking about the body of apostles. And that laying on of hands is actually when Paul gave him the ability yeah. to do miracles. So I, it could be, I, I, I yeah, yeah, that's a, that, that goes back to that ambassadorship, uh, that the apostles had, but, but, but anyway, that's just, that's my nerding out here. My opinion I, is it's got the elders. They work together. You know, the apostles, yeah. like Paul, he gave him the gift and then the elders just sent him out on a commission, you know, as a, as a yeah. work. They didn't so, obviously did give him the gift, you know. We have uh, we've talked about the idea of I think that that's the that's the simplest one. That's the one the easiest one that everybody would if they've not thought about. It, it's the easiest one to change your mind about is is it a good idea? Is it expedient for the 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 located preacher to also be an elder? Um, my thing is why why would you not 
have the most knowledgeable man of the Bible that, that, that makes his living studying the Bible, why would you not have him in your eldership? Why, why, why would you clip his wings? And again, I, I, I know that there's all kinds of success stories out there where um, men are located preachers and stuff like that, and they've been at located preachers at, the, at their congregation, at their respective congregations for 25, 35, 45 years, and they're never, they, they never are put into that position of being an elder. Um, that's good. And that tells me that the congregations where they are have just never needed them to be an elder. Yeah, well, I'm not Glenn, saying it. Glenn Colley served as an elder for a brief time at West Huntsville. Yeah. Uh, but only as I understand it, I, I think his was a special situation where they needed him to help them to kind of tide them over yeah. uh, for a period of time. And I, I, and I think he may have actually gone in if, if my understanding, I did, I didn't get this directly from Glenn. Okay. Sure. Uh, but my understanding was, is that, that, that he went in as an elder, uh, on a temporary basis. I mean, it, it was, yeah. it was deemed at the time. I'm, I'm only going to do this for so long until you yeah. guys can, until, you know, tell this, whatever, whatever the, the need was, was met, then I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get back out. And I, yeah. I think that's exactly what happened. I, I think that's a good thing. And it shows an understanding of the dichotomy of roles. Mm-hmm that elders and preachers have different roles. Mm-hmm. Um, It'd be hard for Glenn to be an elder. I mean, you know, he had, I can't tell you how many gospel meetings he had to start on Sunday night. And those all had to be within driving distance of Huntsville. Yeah. Because you, know, you just can't, you can't, you know, you just couldn't hold the number of meetings that, that, you know, and, and, and the engagements that, that, that he was taking and, and yeah. be on site, you know, to be an elder. And so, yeah, he, yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't hold his position that he holds in the brotherhood at large. Right and be an elder at the right. local congregation. Mm-hmm. So there is a certain amount of sacrifice. I mean, you give up some things to be an elder, right. you know, you can't, you can't go to all those gospel meetings. You might not be able to go to polishing a pulpit like you want to all the time or. Well, I'll just give you an example. I've, I've talked to the, I've talked to my eldership in the last two months, uh, that I wanted, that I wanted to preach fewer meetings going forward. But yeah, but because th- your meeting schedule, at least, you know, my meeting schedule is is full, and it's like I can't I can't dial back the number of meetings in twenty four and twenty five, um, yeah, because those have you know those were those most of those meetings were scheduled even before I became an elder. You yeah. know, I can't just call people and say, "Hey, look, I can't can't I can't I can't hold your meeting, you know, whenever and, and put those people in a bad way." Uh, right. But but I did I did start scaling back starting in twenty six and twenty seven. And and was just and just uh, decided to to uh, cap the meetings that I already had in those in those years and not add uh, to not add any more uh, meetings because um, now you know the church at Burleson is growing. I mean, yeah. we've added a dozen people in the last two and a half months of restorations, baptisms, and that counts kids that are that are coming in. But you know, we've added a dozen people, and uh, and so. It, you know, I get ten Sundays a year, and so yeah. I mean, you can it you can still grow if the preacher's gone ten Sundays a year because we're proving that. But when you start growing like that, you have a desire that you don't want to be gone. You know, yeah, I, I just plus I'm getting old, man. I hate being gone from home. You know, about one or two days is all I'm good for. I, 
I love preaching gospel meetings, but I dread being away from home. So I was trying, I'm trying to dial my schedule back. Yeah. So I can be, so I can be with the church, you know, more, more often. And, um, and, and, you know, with more people comes more responsibility and, uh, there's more, you know, you know, there's more heads to anoint with oil and, you know, there's you know, wounds to bind up and, you know, there's just, there's a lot of things that have to be done. And, and, uh, I just didn't feel like I could maintain my, my present schedule Yeah, and do all the things that I thought I needed to do both as a preacher and as an elder. Well, I'm glad I, I got you when I did for the NEA lectureship then. Got you hot. Well, I, listen, man, I can slip away during the week, man. Because, yeah. you know, I'm driving up and back in the same day. Yeah. yeah. I know. I know. So, yeah, it's not yeah, really that's really that, 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 Look, that's out of necessity just because I'm teaching that Bible class at Maywood all week. Or I'd, yeah. I'd come yeah. up and, and we'd, go, we'd go to Taco Bell and hang out and laugh yeah, cut and cut up. up for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Right, I don't know about Taco Bell. Well, that's that's where we ate the last time Aaron took me out to lunch. So, good grief, man! What it wasn't me. Don't <laughs> somebody. There's a third party that's not involved here. That it was who in the world would want to go to Taco Bell? This man, I'm a fan. I mean, a grand, don't don't get me wrong. Like I know Taco Bell for what it is. It got you through the hard times. Yeah, I love I love Mexican food and I love Taco Bell. Yeah, which are two separate categories. <laughs> They're two separate things. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we, we've talked about this, you know, I think again, the preacher, preacher, be an elder. If, if the congregation needs it, be an elder in the congregation, you need to put that man up into being into the eldership if he's needed. Yeah. And he's qualified, obviously. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean that, that ought to go without saying, without probably saying. won't, but Should um, go. now let's talk about this idea of children. I cannot tell you how many people. Well, an elder has to have more than one child or else he doesn't have children. This, and I, I know I said we're going to handle this with kid gloves, but this is the one that bothers me because the arguments are just, again, Todd and Aaron do not co-sign off my verbiage here, <laughs> but it's just hyper stupid. If you have a hundred men for a men's day, and I get up there as the MC and say, okay, we're going to split. And the men who have children are going to go in auditorium A. And the men who don't have children are going to auditorium B. If somebody comes up to me and says, I'm confused as to where I go. Well, what, what, what's confused about it? Well, you said men who have children go into auditorium A, but I only have one child. It would be very hard for me, like that. That dude's trolling, like he's he he he's trolling with a dad joke. He he can't be that stupid. Yeah, for real. Because all of the men who have children go into auditorium A. That means if you have a child, <coughs> you enter into the category of people who have children. How many children do you have? I have one. How many do you have? I have nine. Oh, well, you've had more children than I. Yeah. It's just how we talk. Yeah. Why is this so hard? I think it gets back to where you can interpret it as children, but it demands one child. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference between what the text demands versus the liberty we have to interpret. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say about that. 
I'll let you or Todd or Aaron take it away. Yeah. No one would say, well, I don't have children. I only have one. Um, I don't know, Tony, if you got any thoughts or Todd, but, um, John, let me get John Exum. John Exum, can you copy and paste that verse in the comment section? It's I know Genesis what you're talking 20, about. It's Genesis 21-7. Never mind. Genesis 21-7. I, I, yeah. I, I forgot that was in there. Yeah. And the, the text there in Genesis 21-7 speaks of Sarah and said, who said who would, and that, I, I'm paraphrasing, said who would have, you know, who would have known or believed that Sarah would have nursed children? Yeah. And, uh, and so... Uh, and she, you know, she had one child. Um, she, only, she only nursed Isaac. Yeah, as far as we know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So how how does how do you then? Well, how do you get by that? Like, how how does a rational person still hold that scruple? They, whenever we it, it two things. Number one, it's been it's been a tradition that's been taught in the church for a hundred years, and. Number two, people haven't spent five seconds studying it. You know, I could could ask the question, you know, how many children are required to meet the Leverate law? One. One. You know, if a a man dies having no children, how many does he have to have to have children? How many does he have to have before his brother doesn't have to take his, you know, take his widow as a wife and raise up an heir, you know, in keeping with the, the Leverate law? So, I mean, listen, I have never had a diligent Bible student make that foolish argument with me. And I got I to gotta tell you this, man. I got to tell you this. This has been over 20 years, almost 25. <laughs> Stuck with you. I was, I, was <laughs> teach, I was teaching on this very thing in about, probably about the year 2000. And uh, teaching on this very subject, and I was making the point about children and child and 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 whatnot. And there was a family here at that time, and I'll just tell you, not diligent Bible students, of course. And uh, fussing about fussing about more than one fussing about more than one child. Hey, and I'm just telling you, I stood out there in the foyer after that service was over, and the wife walked up to me. And opened up her precious moments Bible and turned to the concordance or dictionary in the back mm. of her precious moments Bible and opened up the dictionary and showed me the definition of children having more than one child. Oh my. As, yeah. as if that, that settled the matter. I got my precious moments Bible here. I got my precious moments Bible dictionary in the back, and here's what it says: the word "children" means. And that, <laughs> that settles just, it. That just settled it. If I that, recall- that is the oh, I, I was gonna say that that is the absolute worst. Whenever somebody, whenever somebody says, "Well, I don't believe what you're telling me to be true," well, why not? Well, because it says X Y Z right here. I'm like, yeah, I know exactly what it says right here. Like, do you think? that I taught this 45-minute lesson and that I was so stupid that I didn't take into account this phrase that's in the Bible that seemingly says the opposite of what I say. Do you think I'm so stupid? Or do you think I'm so stupid that I forgot what I said last week (laughs) and that I'm, I'm so stupid that I can't remember what I say from week to week and so I say contradictory things? 
Or do you yeah. think maybe we're dealing with a different context and a different usage of the term? I've, I've seen preachers on Facebook argue that children in the Greek, that's plural. And that, of course it's plural. And, and that means it has to be two or more. And Here's know. the thing. If, if the text said had a child, then if, it, if you had more than one, our brethren would argue you couldn't serve if you had more than That's one. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I mean, it, listen, the, the, the argument about child and children is essentially the equivalent of making the thief on the cross argument against baptism. Yeah. I mean, yes. it, it's really, about, it's really about on that same, it's really about that same, same level. Yeah. Um, uh, John, I, I'm just looking at John's comment about adopted children. Yeah, I wanted yeah, to handle it, that next. Yeah, the Bible Bible makes no distinction. You know, a person who adopts a child is just as much a father or mother as one, you know, who who has children. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's like you know, I have friends who have ch- children by nature and children by adoption, and yeah. they don't introduce them in. <laughs> hey, now this is my child, and this is my adopted child. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna really make it, I want to make a distinction here. Well, I'm I'm adopted, and and the only way you'd ever know is if I told you. Well, yeah. I was today years old when I learned that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was today years old when I when I learned that. Yeah. So. Yep, yep. Yeah, but yeah, children. I mean, and you, and even when you consider, can you consider, uh, you know, how many. Um, and just just as a quick aside, how many people in the first century took children into their homes because they were orphaned or whatever? Uh, a, a and, lot and of Christians, you know, like yeah, because a... you know they didn't, you know they didn't have Tennessee Children's Home. Yeah, right. you know, in the first century, you know, they didn't have Paragould Children's Home. That's in, right. In the first century, people people took these kids into their their homes and they raised them. You know, they raised them as their own. Yeah. And, well, uh, yeah. Something's tickling my memory about a. Uh, uh, a, his, a historical document about first century Christians that would take these unwanted and undesirable babies. I, I don't know. I don't think I'm dreaming that. I, I, somebody can fact check me, but I really think that there was like in in the in in Greek, you know, the in the first century, you know, t- times if they're not any more brutal than they were now. We kill millions of babies through abortion, mm-hmm. but um. You have these if a, if a baby was malformed or uh, undesirable or maybe sometimes if it was the wrong gender. I think you know maybe they wanted a man child and they had a had a girl. They just discarded these babies and and Christians would take them and raise them. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I again yeah. I, I if 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 a, if a man and a woman is barren and they take three of these children. That nobody wants. I mean, does does that man? Not, I mean, does he not have children? From, from my understanding, there was a fair amount of adoption, even among like the emperors, and they were wicked as all get out. So, yeah, because like you you read about certain emperors that they were the act, they were actually like the nephew, but they were like their son, or they became their son. Mm-hmm. Different, yeah. even in the first century, I've read about them recently. So, yeah. uh, I mean, just that's you know. Uh, you know, Christians commanded to help see to the needs of uh, orphans would uh, yeah. would be even more so than these wicked emperors. I'm going to read this comment here. I quickly it is is it the question is it d- disqualifying if some might find the person being put forward as an elder 
post of scriptural matters that are 100% sound on his Facebook that some people could be deemed divisive. I think you're really doing a good job of hedging yourself there. Um, I would just boil the question down to, can an elder be an elder if some of the people think he's divisive? Can they say, well, this is some people think that this is a divisive man. Um, it, it depends on the congregation. Like if, if this man has, has acted in such a way that harms his reputation to the point where he can't be taken seriously by the congregation, then he probably would not, and, and just in practice, would not be qualified to be an elder. Um, but just because some people find him divisive, that does not divisive. That does not a divisive person make. Yeah. Um, that doesn't necessarily disqualify. Like for instance, Jesus was accused of being a glutton and a wine bibber by many people. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't mean he was an actual glutton and a wine bibber. People people accuse folk of all manner of things. Um, I've I've heard um, that Garland Elkins uh, that there are a contingent of people that say Garland Elkins was very mean and unloving. Well, <laughs> you yeah. you would think he's mean and unloving if you were on the wrong side of the truth. Yeah, yeah. So if you, I, I think if you, that's a, if you love the truth, you thought he was a prince of a man, one of the most yeah. gentle men you've ever met in your entire yeah. life. Yeah, I think the wrong. I think I think in this discussion, this immediate discussion, divisive is the wrong word uh, because divisive is not mentioned in the qualifications. I think. Right. I think the word temperate is a better uh, because temperate is among the uh, uh, qualifications of being an elder. Because if, if you notice in that post, it says that the posts are 100% sound. In other words, the posts are in, <laughs> in keeping with what the Bible teaches. Yeah. And so, uh, and so, you know, you know, the, the truth, the truth divides people. All right. Yeah. But we also understand, we also understand that we have to handle right the word of truth. And that we can, and that we can, that we can teach the truth in an intemperate way. And yeah. so that I think that's, I think that's a better, I think that's a better gauge than just simply to say divisive. Because you know, divisive is, is you know, it, it, it's kind of like, it's kind of like racism. You know, the word doesn't mean anything anymore because it, yeah. it's been thrown around so much. I think temperate, you know, to be tempered or intemperate. Um, is is a better way is a better way to go. Um, I, um, is temperate I, the know, qualification that means even kill? Basically, it does. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, um, uh, yeah. You know, I remember hearing Johnny Ramsey talk about uh, uh, a, a fellow preacher, and uh, and and you know Johnny would would have told you that this guy preaches the truth and. And uh, but the guy had said something to him about like maybe nobody ever invited him for a gospel meeting or something you know some some context that you know seemed to be a reflection on him. And Johnny said, "It's because you're mean. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell you, you're mean." Yeah. And and this is but obviously this is way back before the days of social media. All right. Yeah, yeah. So you know this guy had a reputation of not being as, as he was mean. He wasn't he wasn't temperate. Uh, yeah. William Woodson said one time, and I've never forgotten it, he says, uh, uh, we are not at liberty to sacrifice some principles of Christianity in order to defend others. Yeah. And, and what he meant by that was that, that that he was, you know, at that time, Woodson was in the middle of the fight against the change movement. Yeah. And, and, but in all things, Woodson 
guys like Woodson, I think Dave Miller did a great job with his book, Piloting the Straight, uh, Woodson's book on change agents. Those guys were very measured uh, in their response. They were temperate. Uh, they were loving, and yet we know that some some of our guys went through that period of time, you know, and they just napalmed everybody. Yeah, and 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 so I, I think that's a better, I think that's a far better gauge than the idea of simply being divisive. Because Jesus yeah. said, "I've come to set a man against his father." Oh, he and by that, definition was you know, divisive. I came to bring division. You know, I I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. I came to bring yeah. division. And so you know, we want to make sure we're using, I think we need to use the proper words. Well, as we, as that we think about that study to show yourselves approved in the God. There's a way to interpret that. Um, and it's cut a straight line. Mm -hmm. Well, what, 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 what do you, what do you do when you're cutting a straight line? You are dividing. It's a dividing line. That's right. It's a line of demarcation. Um, I, I, I think I'm very in introspective about this and I know that, like I can be abrupt, I can be blunt, and I'm I know that amongst uh, certain people, I have a reputation for being so, and um, worse than I don't that know. too. <laughs> Do what among others, you're worse than that. Well, yeah, among well, others, me, I like. Well, there, there's I, I found out recently there's a uh, there's a Facebook group dedicated to uh, hating Tony Brewer. Um, so I, I started like, it. Well, I appreciate it. And keep your enemies close, your friends close, your enemies close. Right. But, but like, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is because of the things that I've, I've borne witness to and have experienced, I know that you got to be careful when you're, when you're talking about what disqualifies a man to be an elder, because like if, if he's doing anything at all, He's going to have a very bad reputation amongst some and a very good reputation amongst others. I, I think it's in Luke, and I can't remember where it is. Read the book of Luke. But woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. Yeah, Luke 6. Yeah. Yeah. So th 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 that's how they treated the, the prophets that come before you. Um, one, of the, one of the worst things that somebody can, can insult me with is, Tony, you're just a wonderful person, and everybody has good things to say about you. Really? Yeah, Not like, good. no. Well, first off, I know you're lying. You just ain't talked to enough people. But number two, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Bible says I'm cursed if that's uh, my reputation. But, but that's, but again, that, that's, man, that's just accommodative language. I mean, you just got to understand that's accommodative language because, yeah. you know, I, I'd like to think I have a pretty good reputation in this town by and large, but there, I, I know that there are people that don't like. Well, sure. All right. I mean, I, I understand it, but but I know why they don't like me and I can still, so I can still sleep at night. Yes. So, it, it, it goes back to that, that, uh, that meme that I saw from that really terrible cartoon uh, he's standing on the stage and he's pointing at the crowd and he's saying, your booze mean nothing because I've seen what makes you cheer. Yeah. And, and, and that whole idea of saying of somebody, well, I've, I've seen it, I've seen it play out in a very pathological way where a, a, an entire group of people was quote unquote preacher followers. And I'm like, look, if, if, if this is actually your testimony of this man, then either he was a terrible person, didn't teach you anything and didn't challenge you, or you were just a surface individual and 
you didn't really know him and, and you weren't in his area of influence like you thought you were. I mean, when it comes to a man who's either an elder or being considered to be an elder, to the pure, all things are pure. But to those that are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Yeah. If you're, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're just looking for something on this guy, why is he considered to be divisive? Oh, because his posts are 100% true. Yeah. Yeah. Tony's mm -hmm. real divisive. You know, there's just a lot of people that split ways with Tony. That means he's divisive. Is it because yeah. he's purposely being divisive? I agree with Tony, but I don't like the way he said it. You know, I'm so tired yeah. of hearing people say that. Just let, let God be the judge of that. You know, let God be, I want God to be my judge of my intentions and the way I hold my mouth. I, yep. I, anyhow, you know, it's like just preach it. If, if a man is preaching the truth, he's living by the truth, the best of his ability, there's going to be people that to them, all things are impure and they just, he's divisive. He's just, he's just a troublemaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so that, that's the thing. I mean, if my, my deal in the, if for the last several years, my, it's, it's, it's almost a mantra and a vow. If you and I get in a fight, it's because you've come in my house and you've picked it. Yeah. And because yeah. I, I, I refuse to go on somebody else's timeline, somebody else's post, somebody else's group that they don't control and argue and offer dissent. I appreciate that too. Mm -hmm. I try to be like that too. That's just, you know, yeah. That's just following the first Thessalonians four, mind your own business prince. You know, that's mind your business. Do your work. Yeah. And I've, I've royally screwed it up in the past. Yeah, Whenever I first got on Facebook in 2015, I thought I was supposed to go everywhere and correct everything. Yeah. All right. Number next. This is a big one, Todd. Um, well, uh, actually, before we get into the last one, uh, Scott Beck says, if a man feels unqualified, and I'm, I'm sorry for the other folks. We're being selected with our comments because of time. But thank you for being here. Uh, Michael, Scott Beck, Ted Knight, John Exum, Sheila Cole, Connie Barden, Sue Ross, I mean, Rusty Kirby, I think, chimed in. I was so excited to get into the meat of the podcast. I forgot to say hello to everybody, but probably shouldn't have started now. But anyway, um, let's, let's do this comment from Scott Beck, and then I want to get into the last one about believing children. Um, Scott Beck, if a man feels unqualified, how much do the elders need to try to convince him otherwise? Todd, this one's for you. All right. Now we have we had uh, we had a situation like this at Burleson, not in the sense of it with the eldership, but with, with regard to one of our deacons, and um, and we sat down uh, we sat down with this brother, and uh, we talked to him about uh, we talked to him about his his concerns for his boy. He's and boy, he's the one that brought it up. All right. Nobody, in other words, nobody laid a charge at his feet and gave him a guilty conscience or anything right. like this. Uh, he, you know, it was, it was his personal belief. We sat down with him and we studied the Bible with him on the matter that was under consideration. We encouraged him to, to gather up various Bible tools out of the church library or go online. You know, we sent him to Bible hub or blue letter Bible, you know, in other words, where he could find a lot of commentaries or Mm -hmm. uh, uh, lexicons, you know, he can do his own study. And we said, look, you know, we, we don't think you're unqualified and here's why, but you go home and study it. And at yeah. the end of the week, you know, you study it. And at the end, you come back to us next Lord's day and whatever decision you make, we will honor it. 
you know, if, if you're not convinced by what we say and by what you study in the course of a week, we will honor your request and, uh, and, and nothing, you know, nothing else will be said. And he came back the next week and he'd been studying all week, just like he promised he would. And he said, everything I've been able to read and everything I've been able to study tells me that what you brethren told me last week is correct. And he goes, and I want to stay on. He said, I just didn't think that I could. Yeah. He says, but based on what you said and what I studied this week, I can stay on. He goes, he goes, I'll stay on until I change my mind again. There you go. <laughs> but, but the point, but the point was he felt like he was unqualified. Yeah. But we sat down with him and studied the Bible with him yeah. and then encouraged him to go study some more. Yeah. And then come back and then, but we, but we gave him the promise. We'll honor We will honor whatever decision you make. Yeah. Just study we, just, it so, first. so long yeah. as it's a studied decision. Yeah. And look, even if, even if, in, and I told him this at, at, at the end of our initial meeting, I said, even if at the end of the study, you think that we're right, but there's a twinge of your conscience that still says you don't need to serve, then don't serve. Because we will, we do not want you under any circumstances to violate your conscience. Even if you have the idea that you could continue to serve, but in the back of your mind you still have this doubt, you still have this reservation. So we will, we will accept your resignation, and we will support you one hundred percent. And so that was how we handled it. He came back at the end, and and, and I love the way that he said it. He said, you know. I'm convinced now I might see something later on that convinces me otherwise. And when I do, I'll step aside. And, man, what more can you ask from a guy than that? I know. You know Nothing. And, and it was, it was a, it was a great, it was a great opportunity for us as an eldership yeah. uh, to, to, um, yeah. you know, to sit down and, and to, I think truly, truly serve the church and to serve this brother uh, as shepherds. And, uh, and so far it's, it's been really, you know, been really favorable. So um, that's what, and you said, you know, how much do the elders need to try? Well, just sit down and study the Bible with, you know, with the brother, if whether it's an elder or a deacon or what, or, you know, whatever. And, and uh, if you draw the conclusion that he is unqualified, then he needs to step down. And if, and if, and if he, and if he can't continue to serve in good conscience, he needs to step down. Yeah. So, but uh, you know, we tried to convince him, but it was based on the scriptures, not based on our personal feelings. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, even after we studied with him, we studied, we individually, at least two of us, continued to study the matter even more uh, yeah. through the week. And 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 so that's Scott. That's, I mean, for what it's worth, that's what we did, and th that's been within the last six months. So. And and like only thing I would like to add my thoughts of how much do they need to try to the point where the guy that's listening knows that that eldership or that evangelist wants them to know, I believe based on what I know of the Bible, you're qualified brother. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's my thought. I want, like yeah. I have had conversations with friends that I thought were qualified to serve as an elder or a deacon. And I said, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm encouraging you to do it. Cause I believe you're yeah. qualified. They told me the reason or two they thought they weren't, and I truly thought they were mistaken about it. They mm -hmm. just misunderstood it. 
And so I didn't put it on them like, dude, you got to do this. You're not being the kind of man God wants you to be. It, it wasn't that. Mm. Don't indict their yeah. character, but just like, hey, like we started out this whole thing. What does the text require? Yeah. And that's what I, th- to me, that's how much the elders need to do it. They make sure they get the point of the text clear to him so that he can go home later and he can chew on it for however long, you know. And again, it's you want to convey like, look, we are highly encouraging you because of the attributes that you have. Yep. You have went from a, a baby Christian to maturing in the faith. You have changed yourself into like uh, a man commensurate with the office of a bishop. Yeah. That that's that's the that's the the nuance of that English word or that the the Greek term that the English word desire translates in First Timothy chapter two. If a man desire the office of a bishop, it's orgomai. It, it's you you have you see what you see the express image and pattern of of what you want to be, and you you work towards that. You change yourself into that. You're desiring. You are stretching forth, reaching towards that goal. And we're telling you, you have attained it. And we want you to be a part of the leadership of this congregation. If you think about it, all the qualifications of the eldership are given to the men that desire. In other words, the word there is origami. That's what we would call it. Yeah. It means to stretch, you know, origami. So you, you do something, you need to stretch it out to reveal it. Yeah, that's the word. There is a man to reach forth or to stretch out, and so it says, if a man wants to stretch out to serve as an elder, he desires a great work. Now, here's what he's got to stretch for. Yeah. Here, here, here's what you're stretching for. You know, this is, this is and here are the qualifications. And so, yeah. so the qualifications are given to the man who is stretching. Yeah, it's not that. It's not that. It's not that the man. Uh, has to desire it in the sense that we use the word. That's not a qualification. That's yeah, a, we, that's a description of uh, that's a description of the de, uh, of of the man who's going to to develop himself or yeah. allow the Lord to develop him that's to it. become uh, to become an uh, to become an elder. Uh, and also, I think there's also the situation that uh, you're, you're looking at, you know, toward the close the close of uh, of the miraculous uh, yeah. where. You know, where some men were appointed elders by miraculous means. I think Ephesians four eleven teaches it just as clear as anything. And, clear as a bell. And uh, and I and I'm of the opinion that Acts Acts twenty twenty eight that the Holy Spirit made them overseers is the miraculous form. Me of, too. I think it's the manifestation of Ephesians four eleven. But in you know in the absence of the miraculous, here's what the men who are stretching them out. This is what they're stretching for. You know, these are these are the marks. These are the goals that that well, that, that are at the finish line for the man who would would serve uh, as an elder. And so, yeah, I think I think we've really not looked. Well, some, let's do, I just don't think we've looked at it. I think that I think no. we understand for the look with with a couple of exceptions that we've talked about today. We understand the qualifications. We know what the words mean. Yeah. I just I just think that I just think that. In a lot of ways, we're just waiting around for people to qualify rather than reaching out and say, look, man, we want you know, we want you to be thinking about serving as an elder someday. And 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 here's the qualification. Here, this is what you're supposed to stretch towards. Like, yeah. I, 
you, know, you want to be a home builder? All right, here's what you got to stretch toward. You're gonna have to learn. You know, you're gonna have to learn how to cut a straight line. You're gonna have to learn how to hammer a nail. You're gonna have to learn how to do wiring and plumbing. He's, these are all the things you got to stretch toward in order to be to yeah. be a contractor to to, yeah. to build a house. Yeah, you yeah. don't just become a contractor. No, <laughs> well, no. So along those lines, the idea that the the Holy Spirit set in the church these offices and of the office were elders that teach Ephesians four and over the, which the Holy ghost has made you overseers acts 20, 28. So let, let's say that you don't have second Timothy. If you want to be an elder, you look at the men, the Holy spirit set, and you know that these are the characteristics you need to embody. And so you stretch out to attain those characteristics. It's almost as if Paul in 2 Timothy and Titus was describing the attributes of men who were already elders that the Holy Spirit appointed, and then the men who want to be at as the end of as the age of miracles come to a close. If you want to be an elder, then this is you know if again every, I, I I think it's built into the grammar. If a man desires, is the same thing as saying a man should desire this. This is a goal that you should attain. This is the this 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 is this is the this is what you're shooting for as a Christian man, mm-hmm. and all these all these men that are elders in these different congregations. Here's a picture of them in words, mm-hmm. and I, I I think that's what you have in that scripture. Yep, which I think takes us directly into our discussion of faithful children. Yes, listen, this is where the text. This this Greek word, it does not demand children who have been obeyed or who have obeyed the gospel. It only demands children who are in subjection to the authority in the home. That's it. And Todd, I'm going to let you. Unless Aaron, you want to say something, then we're going to let Todd just take take this section. I have away. a couple questions that go with it, but. I want Todd to go, and then at some point, if I have time, I'm able, I want to interject it. It just kind of goes along with what's already just been said in the last 30 seconds. But it's some observations that I had that started making me think, you know, have I always heard this correctly? But, Todd, I I want you to head this up, really. I mean, I I had this discussion at length over in Ghana, West Africa one time because of a number of issues – uh, that were created by Ghanaian culture. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my best friends over there, when, in one of the first years that I was over there, um, had his son was uh, 14 years old. So he was as good a boy as he was as good a boy as you could ask for. And uh, and I asked him about being a Christian, and he said, "I'm not a Christian." And I said, "Well, why aren't you a Christian?" And he said, "Because the church." For the church where my dad preaches does not permit people under the age of 14 to be baptized. Oof. Yes. Wow. All right. So now you've got, you've got that problem. All right. So, and so then you have perhaps a, a, a host of men who have children who are as good as gold. I mean, s- submissive, obedient, helpful, uh, 13, 14, 15 years old, and for whatever reason, you know, the church prohibits them from from obeying the gospel. And now all of a sudden you've got a bunch of guys with unbaptized kids that are that are as all as good as gold, 
but because they're not baptized, he can't serve as an elder. But I mean, that's what that's what prompted the discussion that I had. Yeah, because we were talking about a man wanting to, that we wanted a man to serve as an elder, and and another one of the guys in our American group said he can't serve as an elder. His kids aren't baptized. Yeah, and so so we had a discussion that night in our room, and and to me this to me. To me, this this ends the discussion. Okay, now look, it ends it for me. It may not end it for other people. Sure. But here's the question: Could Tim, could Timothy appoint elders with his list? I'm asking you this question: Could Timothy appoint el, Could he appoint elders with his list? If he couldn't, it was a mighty stupid list. That's right. Exactly. Where in Timothy's list do you ever get the idea that a man's children have to be baptized in order in order for him to be an elder? And you know what my friend did? Special pleading. Well, I just believe the Holy Spirit gave Timothy all the information that he needed, and he would have given him that information, the understanding that his kids have to be baptized. And I said, then why did Paul give him a list at all? If the Holy Spirit was going to have to fill in the gaps for him. I've heard, that. I've heard that, Todd. I've heard somebody say, well, he already had that information. He needed the information in first Timothy. That's, that's, one, of the, that's one of the dumbest things ever. That's oh, just, it's hyper stupid. It's just assuming. I mean, that's just, but the question I, is, can Timothy, could Timothy appoint elders with his list, not having the list that was given to Titus? And if so, you cannot, you cannot say that, that a man's children have to be baptized in order for him to serve. But but then secondly, it completely misunderstands the word faithful in Titus's list. Yeah, because and, and that goes and that goes to a bad rendering of the word pista. Yeah, where it says believing when it should say faithful. Yeah, I mean, but we when. Uh, when uh, when Paul baptized Lydia, she said, "If you have found me or determined me to be same word faithful, faithful." faithful. Now was she asking Paul if he really thought she was a Christian after she still had the water dripping off of her? <laughs> you know, she'd just been baptized. She still had wet hair. Yeah, you know, and she says, "If you've determined me to be faithful," she didn't. She wasn't asking him if he if he thought if he thought she was a Christian. And so, yeah. number one, Timothy's if Timothy's list is sufficient, and it is, we all have to agree that it is, then you, you can't make that argument. Then the very word faithful that's found in uh, in uh, Titus's list is has been has been terribly, terribly misrepresented uh, in in requiring in requiring that a, a man's children. Uh, be baptized. And then thirdly, it denies that the lists are parallel. Yeah. There's 16 yeah. qualifications in Timothy's list, 17 in Titus's list, and 10 of them are, nine or 10 of them are absolutely identical. The same words, you know, blameless, you know, whatever you, whichever ones you want to mention. Now, let me ask you a question. Is Timothy's, is Timothy's requirement one who rules his house well to be the should it be determined to be the equivalent of Titus's faithful children? 
you see, because it's yeah. one who rules his house well, having his children in submission with all reverence, and one who has faithful children not accused of debauchery or insubordination. Those two are identical. Those two qualifications are they're parallel. And and I don't know I don't know any argument that anybody could make that 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 can deal with with all three of those arguments, but especially Timothy's list. Yeah. Man, don't don't get don't give me that the Holy Spirit's the, the God of the gaps. You know, well, I'm, I'm going to interject something here that I said from the pulpit not too long ago. And it's because I've been putting out this content lately about the Holy Spirit and the illumination of the scriptures. I do not. And I'm, I'm I want to be fact checked on this. I want to be like go from Genesis to Revelation. Nowhere that I can recall that I've studied, and I've done quite a bit of it, does the Holy Spirit ever offer understanding of the Word. The Holy Spirit only delivers the Word. Even when it is a vision, the person receives the vision, and they have to describe the vision in words, and then it may be that more words are used to to explain the vision, but there is never an occurrence in any scripture of miraculous understanding right. of illumination of the word. Well, the, the, I mean, if there's understanding given, it's always in the form of words of explanation. Right. Yeah. Like well, in Psalm 119, he says, give me understanding that I may keep your law. But in the same chapter, he says, you've given me understanding through your I counsel, that through article. your word. Yeah. I have that. Yeah. I mean, and this, this may or may not apply, but, you know, in, in the Macedonian call, you know, there appeared a man in Macedonia saying, come over here and help us. Well, after yeah. that after that vision, it says they got together and talked about it. <laughs> it says, we determined. In other words, we took we took what, you know, we took yeah. what we all saw or what, he, you know, and then we made the dis- determination that God wanted us to go Macedonia. Yeah. Well. The, Peter, in other words, the understanding wasn't in the vision. The understanding yeah. was in the was in the collective wisdom of the men who 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 worked together to determine. You know, and, and by the way, could could not God have just said, "Hey, y'all, go Macedonia"? Yes. I mean, he he already told Paul places he couldn't go, so why didn't he just go ahead and tell him places he could go? Right. And so, think about so, this, Peter on the rooftop of Joppa. Oh yeah. He didn't understand that vision until. He saw Cornelius in his house be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. Then it yep. dawned on him, oh, oh, this is what I get is. it now. Mm-hmm. But, my, yep. th- but that's my point. To this argument, well, Timothy would have known, he would have understood this scripture based on his inspiration of the Holy Spirit. No, he wouldn't have. The Holy Spirit does not work to give understanding. The Word gives understanding mm-hmm. yep. in that it conveys God's will. The Spirit just does the conveyance. Yeah. I mean, Half the church of Corinth had the miraculous gift of the Holy Spirit, and they had to be corrected. Uh, and a bunch of them had the gift of discernment, and they still messed it and up. And they still missed it. So, yeah, man, I'm man. Don't give me so uh, a late. few a few th- thoughts, Todd. To come back, you know, oh, like great. some of the some of the pushback <laughs> that I would not that I personally would give, but what I have heard people say and the way people reason as to your thing about first Timothy three are all the qualifications there or not. Yeah, I think they are. 
the pushback is, well, I've heard some people say, well, First Timothy 3, 4, ruling your own house well, implies that they become Christians. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that, that if he no, rules his no, house no, no. well, that means they obey the gospel. And I'm like, I, what? I, is this not about the man well, doing his job? Or ooh, is this about ooh, the let children? Me, let me give an answer to that. People Please. don't obey people don't obey the authority at the or, or the gospel at the authority of their father. They obey the gospel at the authority of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So they, a man can still rule well his own household and have his children in subjection with all gravity to him. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 his children have not obeyed the gospel. But they're like, but if he taught them to obey God and they won't, then they don't obey their dad. That, that's the way they reason. You know? But but you go back to whole that whole thing. They're 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 not disobeying their father because yeah. the father cannot give the, the the earthly father cannot give the command to obey the gospel. That's right. Yep. That's, that's right. right. It's God. That excited me. I've 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 I I fancy myself rather yeah. rather rather intelligent there. Yeah. So that's, so so First Timothy three four one who rules his own house well does not mean that they have thus become Christians because he rules his house well. It says he has his children. It says he has his. It, it explains it. He rules his house well because he has his children in submission with all reverence. Yep. 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 But and let me let me just throw one more. Let me just throw one more into this. You got it. Let's say yet. Let's say you've got. You got two men. By 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 every reasonable metric, these guys are identical in their qualifications, except for the fact one man has a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old who are as good as gold, good kids, you know. Nobody would ever accuse them of right or unruly insubordination, debauchery, etc. Right. The other man has also has two children. One of them is 11 and the other one is nine. And both of those children are baptized. Now, according to the position that our brethren take, the man with the nine-year-old and the 11-year-old is qualified to serve as an elder. Even though neither one of his kids have even hit puberty yet. And you've got a guy who's got older kids that are teenagers who have not yet obeyed the gospel. But they've been tested out in the wild. But yeah, but they've already been yeah they've already been tested, and his parenting skills have already been tested. Uh, you, know, be, be, you know, look, I mean, I've, I've had two teenagers, you know, uh, and so so you know how fool how foolish is it to argue that the man with the eleven year old and the nine year old is qualified to serve as an elder because his two young children have been baptized, but um um. But the other man with the 14 and 16 year old who are unbaptized is not qualified because he doesn't have believing children. I mean, I mean, I think about, you know, one of our guys that's serving as an elder now has, you know, he only has one child. And, uh, you know, his son didn't obey the gospel till he was. Man, I'm going to guess Logan was probably at least 16, 17 years old. You know, but man, Logan's a very thoughtful young man. You know, very, uh, very reserved. Um, I mean, that boy, that boy had tears coming down his face as he walked the aisle to, to obey the gospel. Uh, my own brother did not obey the gospel 
and he's about 21 years younger than I am. Um, he did not obey the gospel. He was 17 or, you know, he was almost out of high school. And, and my parents and my mom, my mom, my stepdad, my stepdad taught fishers of men. All right. He was a fishers of men adjunct teacher. He carried my 14 year old brother through all the, you know, all the fishers of men lessons, all of them. And he and my mom would just wring their hands. <laughs> Paul, Paul's been through the fishers of men. He's 14 years old. He's not a Christian yet. And I just tell him, I said, I said, look, leave that boy alone. And, and, and I said, now here's what I mean by that. He was raised in a Christian home. He witnessed, he witnessed Christian living on both your behalves, both your parts, every single day. He's been taught, you know, he's just a very deliberative soul. So he will do, you know, he'll do once right eventually. I'm convinced of that, you know, but, but they were just, they just wring their hands over, over the fact yeah. he's 14 years old and he's been through fishers and men, but he hasn't, he hasn't been baptized. And we just got to, you know, man, we just got to understand, you know, our kids are not, you know, they're not cookie cutter replicas of one another. And, uh, but, you know, but this idea, this idea that a man with a 14 and 16 year old can't serve as an elder because his kids haven't been baptized, but there's, but there's fine kids is walking the planet. is just, man, it's just foolish. And it, it, it doesn't do the church any favors. Yeah, it doesn't. It does no. It does no service to the church. To well, it's illogical. Yeah. Uh, two things I want to interject. Uh, number one, uh, I think about well, like what John Exon put in the chat about. Well, doesn't it sound a little bit Calvinistic? Like, you know, the the father is to be blamed for the child's not being baptized. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, I could see where there's a dose of that. But let, let me let me do this. So I graduated high school in 1995. I went to Freed Hardeman in 1996. I left Freed Hardeman. And in starting about mid-96, I tried my best to run as far away from God and be as absolutely heathenistic as I possibly could. I was apostate. So that obviously means that my father was a terrible father and didn't, didn't raise me well. Any anybody y'all okay with me talking about my dad like that? I mean, he's dead and gone, so I mean, he can't he can't defend himself. <laughs> yeah, he was a terrible dad because that's I apostatized. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Because you chose to. <laughs> yeah, because I went nuts for a few years. But I've actually heard longer Christian, than I'd like to admit. <laughs> I've heard Christian adults say though, but if the parents had done it right, they the kids wouldn't do that, or they wouldn't fall away and not come back. It's like yeah. oh, that, by the way, man, that is uh, so misguided. Who who was Adam's dad? God. <laughs> yeah. The God of heaven. Oh, yeah. so so Adam's dad failed. Yeah. Well, I mean, he because didn't really Adam, fail, because Adam he... because Adam not only disobeyed, not only disobeyed his father and, and and was banished from the Garden of Eden, there's not one good word ever said about Adam from Genesis 3 going forward. Not one. Everything that, said about Adam is either neutral or negative. So we're going to, I blame Adam's dad. That's it. Right. And I mean, I, I, he, Adam, Adam even went on to raise a murderer. Yeah. 
Yeah, but Todd, that's different. God's sinless, but humans aren't sinless, so it's got to be the human father's fault. Thank you. Yeah. That's the kind that of thing you hear. Thank you, like, thank you for that special pleading. That's it. Yeah, the 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 God of the gap. So, thing number two, I wanted to interject. We baptize kids too young. True. And, and and I say this, I was baptized at a very very early age, and I've never doubted it. But I still think we baptize children too young. I agree. I'm, I'm same I, way, Tony. I was younger, and I never yep. doubted it once. But I, I, agree. I, I was think baptized we, young, and I doubted it. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I fixed there, it when I was 16. There you go. Well, there you go. Yeah. Joey, I'm glad yeah. you fixed it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like That's like with my is. child, with my son, he was he was he was the same age as me, and he said, "Look." If I, if I said, you, you have to commit a sin. If Jesus comes back right now, what's happening to you? He said, I'm not going to go to heaven. I'm going to be in hell. I said, why? He said, do you remember the day that you had to spank me on the steps of the church building? I said, yes, I do. He said, you remember why you spanked me? I said, because you acted up in class and you lied. He said, yes, you didn't spank me because I acted up in class. You, you spanked me because I lied about it. And, uh, you know, we don't talk about things once they're done. Like that was a rule in my house. If, if you got in trouble, once you, if you once you, once you ate that punishment, if I had to punish you, it yep. was done. Yep. We, we were forbidden to speak of it. Mm-hmm. You couldn't, you couldn't gunny sack these kids. I hated that. I was done like that whenever I was a child, I hated it. Yep. So he said, well, it's done for us, but it's not done with God. Well, he's a pretty thoughtful individual. My wife broke down. But that little boy at that tender young age. So here's what I told people. This is the advice I got. I don't know anybody else's child but mine. That's right. Right. And I know that this boy needs this sin washed away. And the worst thing that we're doing right now is making a Christian. Yeah. Oh yeah, the, the worst thing the, we're doing right now is making him wet. The best well, thing yeah. you do is making him, making a him a Christian. Yeah, duh. Yeah. And I said, if in ten years he says, "Dad, what kind of idiot were you to baptize me at that young age?" Because you know we can talk like that with one another. We got that relationship. It. Yeah. If I say, "Well, do you not feel like you's baptized?" No, I, I can't believe you baptized me. But I want to. I want to be a Christian now. Well then. The the worst thing we'll do Same then thing. is make him wet. Same thing. The worst yeah. you'll do is make him wet. The best we'll do the is, make him, is make him a Christian. That's it. So so why 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 not go ahead and 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 immerse this young man? Yeah, I've never yes. refused to immerse a, a young kid, even if in my heart of hearts I believe they were way too young to to do. Yeah, uh, you know to to do it because that's not my business. That's right. That's it. Yeah, what you we're know, saying it, is far far superior to saying you're too young. I've heard of cases where adults told a younger person, you're too young. And I, I know of, not personally, but I, anyhow, I personally know someone who dealt with this in their own family. Yeah. Their child never That's not the right, that's not the right answer. It's, it's mm-hmm. the right reason, but it's not the right answer. I know. I tell folks that all the time. I teach the adults at camp. Don't tell the kids they're too young. Mm-mm. Ask study, the right questions. With them. Ask the right study questions. with them and ask the right questions. Yeah. Because there are there are things. Look, one thing we've forgotten is is that we have that, and this is this this is why I agree with you, Tony, on baptizing kids too young. Is that um, 
there are things that you have to understand in order to become a Christian. I mean, you know, the Bible doesn't say Philip went to Samaria and taught him the difference between right and wrong. That's it. The Bible said he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. I love right. that. The authority. The authority. That's right. Uh, you know, people who obeyed the gospel in the first century understood. They didn't have to. It didn't have to be explained to them that they were being saved by grace. You know, Paul didn't explain. Now, now let me let me tell y'all what grace is here in Ephesus. All you Ephesians, let me let me tell you. He just made it. He just stated it. He stated it as a fact. You know, you were saved by grace. In other words, he knew that they had some mental understanding of the concept of grace and the concept of grace i think is is required for anyone who wants to be saved uh, uh, it's not just a matter of knowing and, and that but th that was the old fallback when i was a kid back in the 1800s you know well you know he knows right from wrong well so does my dog <laughs> you know so does my four-year-old granddaughter she knows right from wrong I mean, in, in a lot of cases, I'm not baptizing my I'm not baptizing my four year old granddaughter. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. It, it, I, and I don't care if she when she gets to be eight years old, if she can quote the plan of salvation and a verse that goes with every single one of them. Yep. It, you know, it's, we've just man, we've ju we've just not done our people a very good service in the way that we've we've treated some of these situations. And again, I, and I look, Tony, I'm like you, man. I'm not going to throw off on anybody's baptism ever. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just telling you what I think. And, 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 and because my son obeyed the gospel a year ahead of my daughter and he was over two years younger than her. Um, but, uh, and I practiced the same thing. I asked the questions and, and, um, when, when the answers were right, I baptized him with the understanding that, you know, you know, he may come. He may come to an idea later on that maybe he didn't know enough. But you know, he's thirty years old. He's thirty years old now, and I don't think he's ever doubted. Yeah. You know what he did, and so and and he's good. If he's good with it, I'm good with it. The ability to worship. Yeah. You know, I, I, did I understand? Probably not completely, but you understood. I knew I needed to be cleaned. Your to decision. Sin. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Tony, you've been involved in the camp, the church camp that I've involved, that I'm still involved with. Yeah. And one of the things I really like about the week we go, and now me and, and Greg Cooper preacher and strawberry the directors of our week and we don't do invitation songs at the end of of each night's worship i, I, I think like, it's good i like that i like that you don't make them not, come find you yes yes and 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 i i have worked with young people in bible camps quite a bit i was pretty busy for a number of years at backwoods camp you know in alabama and i i took pride in that because i think it's a wonderful opportunity to teach young people don't shy away from it but you don't have to, you know, plead with with young people to commit their life to God. 
you know, well, they're they're you, so impressionable. They'll they'll yes. they'll do what you want them to do. Yes, mm-hmm. just plant seeds, and 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 uh, I'm not scared to say this. I put young people off at camp to baptize them by studying with them, mm-hmm. and I pick yep. up that quick. Like you know, after, Mr. Aaron, I want to be baptized. Hey, man, I'm so happy you're thinking about that. We study at the end of the study. Hey, man, how about I tell him? How about tomorrow at two at sports time? We study again. Is that good with you? Yeah, man. Yeah, it's great. I have done that all week. The kid at the end of the week was like, I'm ready to go. I've had that. I've had one study session. And then the second study session, I'm trying to talk to them about the Bible and they're watching their kids playing sports. There's so many little signs. There's so many things you can pick up on. And I've had others who were of the state of mind, the age of mind, where they said, Mr. Aaron, I don't need to study anymore. I know what I need to believe. I know what I need to do. I know I'm lost. I know sins I've committed. I know in God's word there's sins. And I'm outside of Christ. I'm lost. I'm going to die and go to hell. You know, occasionally yeah. you'll have that. And, 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 of course, I talk to them. You know, we study. We study just like I would with anybody. But just <laughs> well, there, there they, was they, a, they know. They want. They, yeah. They're desiring. It's not, it's not just I'm doing it for other reasons. You know, and, and then there's friends. a time at camp where – uh, Doug was baptizing this young woman that he and I had been studying with and he had been studying with obviously way more cause he brought her, but her really, really good friend, a guy who was orphan home kid, hard street. And we had been talking some a fair amount and he's over there with his hands crossed his his, his fist clenched and he's got tears streaming down his cheeks. And I walked over to him. I just looked at him dead in the eye and said, there's no reason for you to sit over here feeling like this. Just go do what she's doing. And he didn't even speak to me. He unclenched his fist and started walking towards the water. And then you could just see Doug's face light up. He started crying. And I mean, so I'm not, we're not saying don't use these opportunities. And, and, and whenever you obey the gospel, it should be, it shouldn't be bereft of emotion. Yeah. Right. But, but you wouldn't. But that. Oh, but that's that, a, yeah, that young you man. Ba- you wouldn't baptize teacher. a kid that wants to wait till Sunday and invite his whole family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like. No, that the question is, would yeah. you? Would you baptize a kid? Oh, um. Do, oh, it depends on the circumstance. I, I wouldn't want to. I, I wouldn't want to baptize anybody that wanted to wait till Sunday until the whole family was there. Yeah. Because that, that tells me they don't understand what's going on. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, let, let's let's wrap this up, Aaron. Aaron, we've been. An Aaron's got to come home. Well, yeah, well, gotta, Aaron's got to gotta go come Alabama. home. I, I come need, home, I need. A, I need. A few, I wish I had a few minutes to stop by Hamilton, and you know, there you go. But um, um, so if I if I might, Tony, kind of bring this back to where we were. Yeah, we, like, we need to do a recap of everything we've discussed, just the t- the high points before we shut off. To put it people's and put it in people's remembrance, but well, yeah, go ahead. All I was going to do is what I said at the beginning. I said I was going to ask you a couple questions. You you took it by the horns and basically covered the the questions that I had started to raise about the children of elders or the children of potential elders. Do, you know, does Timothy not have all the qualifications? We can safely say yes, he did have all the qualifications in the written text. It's, he it's had and it regards the father ruling his house well. That would include his wife too, would it not? Mm-hmm. 
him having a godly wife. I mean, I think that would include that. Hey, can I throw uh, one more little old wrench in that real quick? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. When Paul and Barnabas were on their first missionary journey in Acts 14, and they preached in Antioch and Lystra and Iconium and Derby, and then then they turned right back around and they revisited those cities. And it couldn't have it couldn't have been very long, right? It couldn't have been very long. No. From 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 establishment of the church to the appointment of elders. Are you gonna tell me that every single person that they appointed as elders? In Acts 14, 22 and 23, that their children also obeyed the gospel during within that amount of time. Within that amount of time. Is that is that is that the argument that you're going to make? That every single person that they appointed as elders also had their children to obey the gospel? And 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 what if their you know what if their children are don't even live there anymore? I mean, yeah. there's just man, there's just so many problems with that position. Oh well, that's another thing I didn't even think about. What what if what if the the people that were appointed elders in the first century, what if their children had already grown up, and moved out of the house? That's my point. And, and they were across the world. And they never even so much as heard of the gospel. Yeah. You could get. Yeah. The, I mean, if you take the correct biblical view, you could you could you could inquire. You know, as to those who are without. Uh, you know, you know, you could inquire as to those who are without. Tell me about this man's kids. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, Bible says you got to have a good reputation of those that are without. Yeah, that's it. So, uh, so Timothy did have all the qualifications. Yeah, but here's the other little kink. I've heard brethren, and you read it in their commentaries. Well, we've got the written word, and we have to take both of them together, and so they're implying that Titus has something in addition to what Tim, to what Tim, I'm talking about if I said their I names, know. that's the same, argue, that's the names, same argument my guy made. And I said that, that so, wrong. so Titus, so Titus had a detail, faithful children that they interpret as that means all their children. And you've heard variations of this. Some sincerely believe it not only means one child has to be baptized, but all, all the children, of them, all of yeah. them. Yeah. Even, even after they, even yeah, after they leave the house. Yeah, even and some even but say after they leave the house. That that would mean then that you could not interpret a passage of scripture in its context and understand what the people of the day understood and be right. That means the the latest scripture to be penned is the most authoritative, and the first scripture to be penned is the least authoritative if it takes a progression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But right. all truth was delivered on the day of Pentecost, and therefore the beginning. In, in other words, the apostles were given all things that pertain to life and godliness. Paul was able to give Timothy a comprehensive enough list to appoint elders where Timothy needed no further illumination or guidance. Nope, that's right. So, so lest somebody walks away, you know, misunderstanding. Todd, what is I got the believing, what does the faithful children mean? Faithful children means exactly what it is in, in Timothy's list. A man who rules his house well, who have, has children who are not accused of dissipation or debauchery, insubordination. Uh, and so it, it, the, the reference is in no way, it's not even, it doesn't even touch the idea of children being, being baptized. Yeah. What was your so, other idea, Tony? Hit it. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God is 
the book of First Timothy scripture, yes, then that scripture is able to equip Timothy for the good work to which he was set, which was appointing appoint elders. Those elders. That's right. Mm-hmm. He didn't need anything else. He didn't need any other illumination of the Holy Spirit. He didn't need to make a phone call back to Paul and be like, "Hey, you you gave me this list, but." And I, what about, I and I heard I heard Titus got a different list. Yeah, I heard Titus was requiring them that they have baptized children. Yeah, I mean, look at what we're saying about Paul and Timothy if we say that. I know. And when you think about it that way, that sounds terrible, and it it is yeah. terrible because it's not that's not hermeneutically sound. That's not Timothy had what he needed. Titus had what he needed, and they weren't. It wasn't a different list. You can't take that view of, well, we've got both books and we have the totality of the Word of God. You got to put them together. You got to put them together. And it's like, what do you mean you got to put them together? Like Timothy didn't have enough and Titus had enough. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, when the more you think about it and scrutinize it, it makes you chuckle. But Todd, there's good people that believe that. They sincerely believe that. And I've heard that all my life growing up. Yeah. Maslow about pulled the, Pulled the cord out. Come on, buddy. Maslow's the mascot, and he's saying it's about time to shut her down, I guess. Yeah, he he wants some food. Yeah. All right. He's a worthless dog. No, he's not. (laughs) (laughs) All right, buddy. Get down. Get down. It's time time to shut this down and eat. All right. Recap. Preachers, I think they need to be elders. I don't know if Aaron and Todd's co signed that. But at least I'm I'm confident Aaron and Todd co-signed the fact that preachers can be elders, and certain times it's a it's it's probably would be beneficial. Yeah. Um, what 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 else do we talk about? Uh, children. Number. Yeah. How many how, how many children does a man yeah. have to have in order for him to be considered a man with children? Yeah. Like and that's then, all. And then, and then the baptized. So. Yeah. Then we talked about yeah about young people getting baptized too in that yeah 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 we talked about yeah we talked about the age of accountability and stuff like that I think we probably push push children to the water too quickly but be that as it may does an elder or excuse me does a does a does a man have to have his children baptized into Christ in order to serve as an elder no the answer has to be unequivocally no or else we've got an issue with hermeneutics and how we um, and how we put, um, and, and, and how we interpret scripture in light of other scripture. Timothy was in Ephesus. Titus was in Crete. Yeah. So two different lists went to two different cities or areas, if that's the case. And, uh, Xavier says, what's up heathens? Did you know we are considered <laughs> heathens by every other religion? Uh, yeah. And yeah, it, it is crazy. Um, it, 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 it is crazy. <laughs> But but yeah, if we just acted better, sometimes we wouldn't be considered heathens. But then if we acted the perfect way, we'd still be considered heathens by some because mm. you you know you you gonna what you what you gain on the swing you lose on the on, on the roundabout. Mm. But anyway, so any any final thoughts? No man, no. I I think that um, it's just like anything else in scripture. You know, we got to be honest with the text and. Try yep. to ascertain exactly what it means and don't require more. Don't, don't accept less. Yep. Yep. And yep. and this word, this word pistos, um, it means trusty, faithful, of persons who show themselves faithful in the transaction of business. 
the execution of commands or the discharge of official duty. Uh, one who kept his plighted faith worthy of trust that can be relied on. Um, one who trusts in God's promises, trusting, easily persuaded. So I, I read all of that to, to say it doesn't demand that these children in question be Christians. Yeah. But I've heard, if, I've if, heard if people say, they, well, yeah, it does, because if they're trustworthy, they'll obey the gospel. If you don't obey the gospel, you're not trustworthy. It's like, well, that's, but that doesn't parallel Well, then, then with I can't Timothy be soberly 3. and righteously without also being godly. Titus 2, 11 and following. Yeah. The grace of God teaches me to leave ungodliness and worldly lust and to be sober and righteous and also godly. But I can are, be sober-minded and I can be upright before my fellow man yep. and I can also be ungodly. There are people that are like that. That's the case. Yep. Oh, yeah. So on the, the quick question, on the back end of the, or the further children, they're, 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 if, if you take the position that they have to be baptized Christians, if you do, does it not follow then that they would also have to be baptized in the home and you would have to have children in the home to be qualified? Like, would that disqualify a person that has mm. children out of the home? Because it says, you know, ruling the house well. Yeah, the one that rules well his own house. Yeah. yeah if if he doesn't have children in the home, can he be an elder? Right. And we're not saying that. The text doesn't say that. I'm just saying there are some thinking that it means they have to be baptized Christians, they would go on to say, some say, well, they have to be faithful. Some say they don't. My thing is, well, the text talks about it ruling the house well. So does that not necessitate you would have to always have a child in the home? I don't know. Maybe I'm just fishing out there too far, but I was just looking for some consistency, you know. I don't, I don't, th I think that's a, a, an irrational conclusion to draw. Uh, yeah, 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 I do too. All right. Can a man's wife disqualify him from being an elder? Absolutely. Yes. Next question. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Does, does my wife disqualify me from being an elder? No. In fact, she's my only saving grace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, I, guys. In, in the words of Mammoth Spring Church of Christ, Barry Odell, common sense. Common I mean. sense. Yeah. I love it when it, Barry, Barry has gotten his brain wrinkled a little bit today along with uh scott beck uh i love it i love i love stuff like this yeah all right we're gonna we're gonna end the show final thoughts anybody let the text say what it says yep yeah so shall my word be that go forth out of my mouth don't stand in its way yep don't stand in its way yep. uh thank I you very much rusty kirby May may I, may we always be willing to learn and grow and just only want to do what the text requires. Nothing more, and I don't want to accept less. Just, you know, let the text speak, like Todd said. Let That's it, it. Let it be. Well, folks, we, we're thankful so much to Todd Clifford for being on the show this week. He's uh, turned into such a, 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 a appearing so often, it's almost he's no longer a guest. Yeah, He's almost just a stand in on third chair at all times. Uh, but we want you to follow us on X at one Chronicles one, two, three, two. That's the first Chronicles text about the sons of Issachar. Um, you can also subscribe to Substack If you want to support us monetarily, the best way 
is to, is to subscribe to Substack. And within the last week, we've gotten two paid subscribers on Substack. So we're up to like 15 paid subscribers. It's amazing. Cool. Uh, what that money does, I'm, 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 I've got a care package for Aaron, a microphone, a, a preamp, and some other stuff. And I'm going to send it down there. Uh, so that the, the, the money to do that is coming out of your support money. Uh, we're going to get Aaron's uh, a, a channel strip and a couple pieces of equipment to round out his studio that he needs. And in 2024, we're every dime we're going to endeavor to spend every dime that you support us into advertisement for the Christianity Now brand. Whether that's advertising the group, whether that's advertising on Twitter, uh, we're just every we we we're going to endeavor that every dime you choose to to support us with is going to go into growing the brand. So if you think we're doing something worthy of support, as you as you line out your 2024 budget. Just consider supporting us, and the best way to do it is through Substack. Uh, thank you so much. God bless every one of you. You can catch these archived on Cogitations Podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify, TuneIn Radio. And I'm going to count to about one and a half Mississippi, and I'm going to hit the end stream unless anybody's got anything to say. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Share it. God bless you, and we'll catch you on the flip side.